Time keeps on leaving and we keep on moving. When do we pass on our wisdom to the youth? My veteran story lost our discussions. Fireside chats with the bourbon or two. It's time to hear the story by military veterans. Get yourself ready. It's the Lost Arts Podcast. The Lost Arts with Andrew Cox. Hello, hello my friends and welcome back to the Lost Art Podcast. That podcast that's given a voice to our veterans. I am your host, Andrew Cox. On today's episode, we will have a My Veteran Story with Army Retired Veteran Sergeant First Class Alfred Skip Weaver. Please welcome Skip to the program. Skip, how you doing out there? Well, if I was any better, I'd be triplets. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, w- welcome to the podcast. Uh, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself as f- as far as like uh, w- where you're at, where you're from, and uh, kind of what you got going on in your life right now. I'm originally from Merle Haggard City, commonly referred to as Muskogee, Oklahoma. I like I it. Born- I, I, I grew up not too far from Muskogee, a little town called Vianne. Yeah, I lived in Vianne for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was born and raised in Muskogee, did all my schooling, went to Muskogee High School. Uh, I graduated in uh, June of 74. Um, and my graduation, I went into uh, uh, Marine Corps boot camp. <clears throat> um, my... Second, the oldest brother, whom I recently buried last July, um, mentored me into um, the Marine Corps. Well, he didn't really mentor me, but I patterned myself after him because he was my big brother. I, I loved him so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I joined the uh, signed up delayed entry December 73. Okay. Um, and so I could graduate high school and, um, <clears throat> and whenever <laughs> Doug found out, I joined the Marine Corps, he said, are you crazy? Don't you know that? Don't you know they almost killed me in the court? He went in in 59. Okay. <laughs> so things were really tough then. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I'll cut to the chase. Uh, um, i Bound up on the Yellow Footprints uh, June 27th after seven days of marital bliss. And okay. Very nice. 13, 13 weeks later, you know, I, I earned, well, 17 weeks later because I spent four weeks in medical rehab because I broke my ankle. And, oh, man. Yeah. And, uh, That's a rough second. go when, when somebody gets injured at uh, recruit training, having to stick yeah. around a little bit longer. Well, I believe it was a blessing in disguise from the almighty God in heaven. Okay. And I didn't know it then, but uh, reflecting back on my life, uh, there's a lot of things that happened in my military career that I can attest to um, the high power we all know as God the Father. Right. But anyway, um, I did four years in the Marines. Uh, as a communication specialist, um, um, Comsec, uh, I operated I operated a, a variety of uh, uh, radio equipment, um, secret scrambling devices, uh, okay. retransmission devices. Um, so you, you went to boot camp in San Diego. Yes. Yes. Okay, no. So- uh, no. Uh, yes, I was a Hollywood Marine, and no, they did not issue us sunglasses. <laughs> I was a Hollywood Marine as well. My dad always gave me a hard time because, you know, he went to the real boot camp in Paris Island. So he would always call me Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So you you did the boot camp there. Then your school for your uh, for radio and stuff, was that 29 Palms? No. No, uh, it where? was still there, still there in Dago. Oh, okay. All right. San Diego, yeah. Uh, just across the parade field. No kidding. Yep. Um Let's see. Um, after after my uh, eight weeks school, then um, um, I had my thirty days leave, and I went home, spent some time with my wife and parents, and rest of my family, and 
Then I shipped over to uh, to the Rock, Third yeah. Battalion, Fourth Marines, Third okay. Marine Division. Um, I was I wasn't there um, ten days when uh, my squad leader come up to me and um, pulled me out of my uh, human relations course, which was part of in processing. <laughs> right. And um, he told me PYSMO, and I said what? Pack your shit and move out. You're, you're going to third recon. They need a they need a comsec operator for a weapons platoon um, at Ona Point, Okinawa. And I said, okay. So I packed my gear and um, I hit, hitched a ride to the, uh, to the helo pad, got on the chopper with uh, some other guys and um, wound up, uh, like I say, at, at Ona Point, Okinawa. Yeah. It was then that I realized we were a contingent for operations Eagle Pole and Frequent Wind. Oh, okay. So we went through um, jungle warfare, mines, mm -hmm. booby traps. Um, um, now, did they have you eating snakes while you were out there? <laughs> uh, no, uh, <laughs> but we saw some. We saw some of the hardcore recon guys uh, bite the heads off lizards. Yeah, uh, yeah, they can have that. <laughs> oh yeah, but um, my job was to carry the um, the secret scrambling radio devices. Okay. And well, my my field trans with my field transport pack, the radio, the device, three extra batteries, including the batteries that was already in the equipment, mm -hmm. and all these um, accessories to the to the radios. My total weight was about 105 to 115 pounds. And that you were carrying in your pack. That I was carrying on my back, yes, yeah. on a on the 81 Mike Mike pipe pack frame. It had a canvas, it had a canvas uh, back, so yeah. it was a whole lot easier on the back. But anyway, um, and I weighed 155 pounds at the time, so <laughs> um, whenever uh, we had to. Uh, do a little jump out of the, the back of uh, um, um, CH-47 uh -huh. or, off, off, or off the skids of a Huey, uh, you know, from six to eight feet. When I hit the ground, uh, seismometers across the world went off. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was my job to provide secure communications for our platoon it was a weapons platoon mm -hmm. with the recon battalion and while they went while they were supposed to have gone in and done their job right then we would provide um uh, other weapons support uh, 60 millimeter m60 uh, right. 50 caliber things like that okay so i uh, <laughs> oh, trying to remember some of the events, and after having this uh, this MTBI Afghanistan, it's, it's sometimes my memory gets that, gets that's so okay. We'll, we'll, so we'll take our time, and we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, uh, after um, two false calls, I guess you could call it. Um, they told us we was going to Tonsonoid Air Base, uh, Southeast Asia. Okay. So we get down to um, Kadena Air. We're lined up on the tarmac. Uh, the C-141 Starlifter uh -huh. was was there. The engines warmed up, tail ramps down, the, the back ramp down, and we was uh, walk. We was walking to the ramp, then uh, all of a sudden. Uh, um, one of the uh, one of the pilots come out and they're waving us off and huh. come down. They said, "Hold on, not today, not today." Oh, we packed our gear, went back to Onoit, did some more, did some more training. Um, about a week later, we wound up down at uh, Tonson, uh, not Tonson, uh, Kadena again. Yeah. And this time we're just sitting on the tarmac, and um, <laughs> then uh, um, the uh, commanding officer of the battalion come up and said sorry man war's over 
<laughs> pack up and go home. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, you know, they say the Paris Peace Accords was signed in uh, uh, something like May of 73. Right. Uh, right, okay. Our choppers were still getting shot down. Our guys were still getting killed on the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, sure the, sure, the majority of the troops were pulled out. You know, our guys were still getting killed. So the right. war was still going on in our minds. Mm -hmm. And uh, so technically, to me, yeah, the war was still going on. But they said that the, gate, the gates of hell were closed. So we went back to our units. But during, during the training, the scariest thing to me was I'm carrying this equipment and this antenna is sticking up in the air. <laughs> we walk into an ambush zone. Right. Well, of course, you know, we got the we got the blank firing adapters on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I found out uh, abruptly how long a radio man's life really is. Because within five seconds of the ambush, some grunt would jump up and holler out, I got the radio, man! <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So, and, and that's like a big target on your back, right? Uh, yeah. But it was after that uh, I learned how to take the three-foot whip antenna, even though the, the range was very depleted, but... It was a three to five mile range anyway when it's standing straight up. Right. But when you fold it down over your your uh, uh, load bearing equipment, you know the the range is very depleted. But you could still get out uh, squad to squad or maybe within a mile. Mm -hmm. um, but you didn't have that big target sticking up in the air. Right. Yeah. And learned how to make field expedient antennas out of combo wire wrapped around my helmet. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah, oh, take that's a, pretty interesting. Just, just take a stick, uh, sh shave the insulation off the wire, stick it down into the uh, uh, antenna port, put a stick in there where it opens that trap door and uh, touches the, uh, the the antenna load in the radio itself. But uh, you got the antenna, the wire wrapped around uh, your cover and on your helmet. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody nobody can really see it. Wow. Unless you're up close to somebody, then you look like uh, my favorite Martian because there's two <laughs> wires sticking out on either side of your helmet. Right. Anyway, uh, I can say that was only good for if you're lucky if it got out a mile. Right. Right. But it still saved your keister in a, in in a pinch. Yeah, no kidding. And that's pretty yeah. uh, pretty ingenious. And that's that's uh, one of the things that Marines are great for, right? Uh, you yep. know, adapt, overcome. Adapt, things overcome. Out. Yep, you got that right. Shoot, move, and communicate by any means. That's right. <laughs> Literally by any means. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, after um, I did my stint in... Uh, oh. ah, ah. Yep, I got you. You're back. Okay, okay, good, yeah. I had an incoming call. I had to cancel. Oh. Um, anyway, I went to um, uh, first Mardiv, Camp Pendleton, where yeah. uh, where um, um, I would joined up with the uh, First Battalion, Seventh Marines Headquarters okay. Company, yeah, 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 Communications Platoon, and um, I did. Um, I finished my time there until June '78. Uh, I did pick up Corporal meritoriously. Oh, very uh, after, nice. After spending six months. With uh, with a um, a grunt unit, Bravo Company One Seven, Lieutenant Larson was the commanding officer, okay. and I remember his name solely because he put me in for meritorious corporal after my six months um, uh, humping radio uh, for his for his company. Right, and uh, that was that that was a challenge there, mm -hmm. trying to keep up with the grunts and. When they're packed with five to thirty pounds, and I'm carrying a hundred and five pounds on my back, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So you know, it was it was tough, but I did it. Yeah, and I uh, uh, they did a lot of hiking and everything. I'm sure. Oh yeah, forest uh, march more like it. Yeah, up, um, up and down the hills there. At, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, and and Mount Mother Humper. I'll, I'll be nice. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, Case Springs. We we walked that mountain a bunch of times. Right. Yeah, I've I've yeah. had my fair share of walking up and down them hills as well. Yeah. Oh, you've been you you've been up to Case Springs, I take it. Yeah. Yeah. We've uh, yeah. It, it's been a been a good time up there. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 mountain was exactly what they called it. Also, we had a another hill uh, there at San Mateo. It's it was called the same name, but it was a little bit steeper. Okay. Uh, it was it wasn't a paved road. This was dirt. Yeah. So you got a battalion march, and you get everybody kicking dirt, kicking <laughs> dirt and rocks, and saying, Mom, "Why did we have to?" <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, all sorts of all sorts of expertise coming up. But anyway, all those of us in the middle toward the back of the formation, we're we're eating dust. Yeah. But um, it was it built it built uh, morale, it built character, and mm-hmm. built our muscle legs for sure. <laughs> yeah, our, our leg muscles, I mean. Yeah. But after um, after I left there, um, I went home. Uh, I I, you know, I got out and I went to work for my brother um, as an electrician, electrical apprentice. Uh-huh. And um, it was that time uh, I was uh, uh, at having lunch one day uh, at a job and I was wearing a camouflage jacket right. uh, made out of, uh, made out of uh, um, poncho liner. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Poncho liners are fantastic. Oh yeah. And this one, this one gentleman comes up to me and he says, Hey, where'd you get that jacket? And I said, uh, I got it in Okinawa. I had a special made, got two of them made one for me and for my wife. And uh, he said, uh, Oh, so you was in the military. And I said, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and then, uh, well, have you ever thought about joining the National Guard? And I okay. said, no, no, not really. Um, I said, I just did four years in the Marine Corps, and I just got out just a few months ago. So, yeah, I, I, I need some time to relax and refresh. And he said, well, we've got a thing called the Try One program. So I thought about it for a little bit. Said, okay, okay, well, I'll give it a shot. Oh, what what so is I the thought, Try One program? What is that? That's uh, that's a... a a one-year um, contract. Oh, I see. You, okay. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, any time within that year time frame, you like it, you can say, "Hey, I, I don't want it. Uh, you know, let me out." Right, and yeah. they just they just release you. No okay. problem. Well, uh, I got in with the first battalion, 279th Infantry at Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. as a tow gunner. No this, kidding. Was when, okay. this, this was when the tow was in its infancy. Right. Yeah. So we, we was learning all the electronics and how to sight and track. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for about three months. Then um, um, I transferred units down to uh, um, uh, Davis Airfield in there in Muskogee mm-hmm. uh, with the um, Echo Troop, 145th Cavalry of the 45th Infantry Brigade out of Oklahoma City. Okay. Um, anyway, um, my job, my first job there was a 19 hotel, and that was a tank loader. We had the old M60A1 dinosaurs. That's right, yeah. We had six of them, and um, so I, w- I went out one weekend and uh, so I was learning the uh, intimate details of the of the old dinosaur, right? Um, uh, how to uh, the different ammunition they had, and how to load the, the rounds. And uh, uh, anyway, a lot of the guys in the unit uh, I went to high school with. Okay. So so you know it was you know, like a big uh, homecoming for me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, one of my one of my uh, high school friends. Uh, come up to me and he said, uh, Jimmy Shue, and he says, man, you don't want to be a tanker. You you want to be a calf scout. Besides, I, I need someone to man the gun on, on my Jeep, the M151. Okay. So I said, okay, um, tell me something about, tell me more about it. And he said, well, you know about the M60? And I said, man, I carried a radio for four years and, <laughs> and a 45 and sometimes, and sometimes maybe an Maybe an M16, um, but uh, he said, "Well, well, I'll, I'll teach you how to how to uh, 
all the details about the M60. So I learned how to uh, do uh, uh, disassemble, assemble, and right. and, uh, and do the you do, do the weapons check, you know, misfire and all that on the 60. Okay. So I became uh, I transferred over to the Calf Scout section, where our um, our driver uh, was um, a, a Vietnam vet, Dave Stamper. God okay. rest his soul. He was a good man. He he taught he taught me a lot. Um, but uh, I would ride in the back of that Jeep. Uh, I think I've got a picture uh, somewhere in <laughs> my boxes of pictures of yeah. me on on a one five one with a bandolero or about two or three bandoleros of ammunition draped across my arm. Oh, that's anyway, awesome. Oh yeah, but anyway, uh, I did that for about ten months, huh. and uh, anyway, um, you know things weren't happening the way in in my life, you know, marital wise and stuff. So right. uh, after talking with the wife for a while, I said, okay, all right, well let's let's go back in the Marines. Let's okay, let's get back on active duty. Well, back up a little bit while I was in the Marines down in the Philippines, uh -huh. I contracted malaria. Oh, okay. So I spent four weeks in the hospital at uh, at uh, QB Point Naval Hospital, hmm. uh, watching my ribs show through. Oh, wow. Yeah, because uh, I had no appetite. But anyway. Yeah. That being said, um, I'm going. I'm trying to get back to the Marine Corps. So uh, I'm. I went to the recruiter's office with my DD-214. And I said, uh, I want to get back in the Corps. And he said, oh, your prior service, huh? I said, uh, yes. I said, there's my 214. There's my RE code, 1A. He looks at that and he said, I'm sorry, but I can only give you a truck driver or cook. Ooh. I said, you got to be kidding me. I have a critical skills MOS and RE code of 1A. I said, they don't just pass these things out on a silver platter right. with the brass band. You have to work your butt off for them. I said, I'm sorry, that's all I can give you. Well, I I wound up going to the other branches. Nobody was taking prior service but the Army. Okay. So uh, I get in with the Army recruiter, and I hand him my, my 214. He looks at, oh, RE1A, huh? He hands a book over to me and says, there's 250 jobs in there. Pick one. Oh, wow. So, dummy me, I pick armor. Okay, okay. So, so I, I, I learned, I went to uh, Fort Knox to uh, be a tank turret mechanic. Oh, wow, okay. Well, after four weeks, no, excuse me, uh, yeah, it was four weeks, four weeks of uh, schooling there, uh, I get back to my uh, hometown for uh, 30 days R&R, &R, and I meet up with my old recruiter, and... Uh, uh, my Marine recruiter. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, he said, uh, he said, I heard you got in the army. And I said, yeah, I couldn't get in the Marines. I said, why? So I told him the story and he said, Oh, that guy got kicked out because he had his finger in the cookie jar with the female applicant. And he was, <laughs> he was being relieved for cause. And I said, Oh, you gotta be, you gotta wow. be shitting me. Yeah. And he said, nope, nope. He's, he's out of the core now. Uh, and I said, well, crap. I'm stuck in the army for six years now. And, uh, oh, for four years, for four, no, for four years, excuse me. I did four years and I wound up extending a few times. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, which wound up to be about six years and three months. But anyway, um, I did, um, um, I did two tours in um, Germany okay. uh, with the same unit, 2nd Battalion, 37th Armor, then redesignated 3rd uh, Battalion, 34th Armor uh, from the M60A1 to the M60A3 tank thermal site, gotcha. which which I had no clue about. I learned I learned uh, OJT how to work on thermals. Wow. But uh, – that's a steep learning curve. Yes, it was. <laughs> but anyway, um, at the time of the M60A3, the M the uh, the M1 was being ramped up for distribution, mm -hmm. uh, and the uh, the the tank thermal site was 
the predecessor to the uh, TIS or the tank uh, or the thermal imaging site on the on the, on the M1s. But um, yeah, I did um, I did six years, three months, and then uh, I get out <laughs> again. Right. Now you said and, you were you were in uh, Germany uh, twice. Was that just like a uh, deployment type of thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you were so, there about six months each. Oh no! Oh no! I was my first tour. I was there eight months okay. um, because I had a um, a death in the fact my mother had died. So I got compassionate reassignment to the uh, army recruiting station that had been revamped with new, all new recruiters um, on Shawnee Bypass, mm-hmm. and um, so I was a recruiter aide for a year. Oh wow! And, okay. So I learned I learned all the forms, and I learned how I learned the biblical method of typewriting: seek and ye shall find, <laughs> or or the hunt and peck method. Yeah. Uh, so, and my job not only was that was to drive to different places, pick up applicants, bring them back to the station for testing, and and to take them to uh, Oklahoma City. To the to the maps for right. processing, but upon my upon my uh, job interview, my in, my entrance interview, um, the station commander, uh, well, he was a uh, sergeant first class. I can't remember his name right off the hand, right off the bat, but uh, he said, uh, "Now your job, as soon as you come in, is um, go through all the recruiters." Uh, voicemails and take down notes and put everything in in a sequence time date stamp right then go here and he showed me where the silver bullet was the the uh the big uh, coffee maker mm-hmm. and you know and i didn't drink coffee at the time believe it or not four years in the marine corps i didn't drink coffee not one drop that's pretty impressive uh, <laughs> But yeah, you know, coffee—it just wasn't my thing. I yeah. just had no taste for it. But anyway, he—he lifts the lid and uh, he says, "Now, you see these three bevels in there?" And I said, "Yes, I do." Now, you—you what I want you to do is you—you you fill this inside to the first level down down to the main. He pulls—he pulls the uh, the coffee filter out and and. He shows me how to fill the water up to the, the fill line. Right, yeah. So I said, okay, okay, fill the water up to the fill line. And he puts the, the filter holder back down. Then you see those three bevels. He said, you you fill to the first line, the first, the first bevel. Okay. <laughs> well, my way of thinking, the first bevel was the top one. He was thinking, he, he didn't tell me that oh. the first bevel was the first one up from the bottom. Right, yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Anyway, so... Um, that, uh, that next morning, uh, I come in, I open the office and I went through you know, all the answering machines and took down all the notes and, uh, <laughs> made everything ready for all the other recruiters. I went back and I filled the coffee water and uh, I put the filter in and I put coffee all the way up to that first bevel. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the first recruiter come in, well, he was a Cajun. Okay. And his name was uh, Bob Lox. I'll never, I'll never forget that man. He, he was hilarious. Um, and he says he takes a big whiff and goes, "Ooh, la, who makes you make coffee, the specialist?" I said, "Yes, I did." <laughs> Ooh, he smell good. Anyway, he goes back and he pours him a cup of coffee. He takes a sip and he goes. Ooh, so good. Ooh, specialist, you make so good coffee. <laughs> anyway, and then wasn't too much later, um, a couple of other recruiters come in. They take a whiff and they say, holy shit, is that coffee I smell? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I just made it a little while ago. Anyway, they come in and they draw them a cup of coffee each and they thought, holy cow, this looks like motor oil. <laughs> Anyway, I said, well, I just did it just the way the station commander told me. Anyway, it wasn't too much longer. The station commander come in, and uh, 
He stops at the door like he ran into a brick wall. And he says, holy shit, that can't be coffee, I smell. And I said, well, yeah, I made coffee this morning. So he runs back there and he pulls the, he pulls the lid off of that. And he says, what the hell did you do? I told you the first bevel. I did fill it to the first bevel. Not that one. That one down at the bottom. <laughs> and he says, holy shit, this ain't coffee. I'm going to pour this out. About that time, old Bob jumps up and says, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, don't stop, stop, stop. He grabs his thermos and he comes out and he, he says, no wasted coffee, no wasted good coffee. He pours him, he, he fills his thermos full of that, that motor oil. Yeah. Anyway, station commander says, I was telling you this first bevel. You didn't point that out. You didn't make it specifically known. I thought you meant that bevel. And he said, I see where this is going. So he dumps it out. And he says, now, this bevel right here, make a new pot. So I made a new pot, and that's how I learned how to make coffee. Very nice. Okay. Uh, now, did you continue to make the uh, the stronger coffee for your buddy? or <laughs> No, unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> for for fear, I might get rode up and promoted. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, I did. I did get promoted to sergeant uh, while I was on on recruiter aid duty. Okay. Um, then I went back to Germany to the same unit that I uh, left. Okay. Um, redesignated three three four armor, the Centurions, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when um, I was. Uh, introduced into the M60A3 tank thermal sight system. And just as soon as I got my my combat gear, um, um, the platoon sergeant loaded me up and says, we're, you know, we're going to the range. I said, I haven't even finished in processing yet. You'll finish it when you get back. So I went down to Grafenvir and, um, where we stayed about four weeks, where they were trading tank for tank, and the, the A1 for the A3, and straight to the range they went. Everybody was 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 reading manuals and learning OJT uh, how to use the thermal sight and all the uh, uh, d- different sighting systems that was on it. Holy cow! Yeah, and I was I was learning. You know, firsthand to how to troubleshoot uh-huh. as an E5 on on the A3s. Um, so I learned so real that was quick. A heck of an experience. Oh, yes, it was. Uh, I, I learned to getting jumped on by my platoon sergeant and a motor officer for for taking so long to troubleshoot because I shoot, I'm having to read the book. <laughs> I'm having to read the book. Give yeah. me a break, sir. Anyway, um, uh, I did that for uh, uh, for two more years. Okay. Uh, then I went to uh, that was Fort in Carson Germany for two more. Yeah, in Germany. Yeah. Then I went to Fort Carson, Colorado, and for three six eight armor. Um, oh, by the way, while I was in Germany, I got promoted to staff sergeant. Oh, very so, nice. Okay. Oh yeah. So I went to got to Fort Carson uh, as a assistant motor sergeant. Okay. For uh, Bravo Company, no, Charlie Company, 368 Armor. Now, and, what, uh, what year was that? That was in uh, 86. 86, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, excuse me, 85, 85, June of, June, July of 85. Okay. Because June of 85, I was on 30 days R&R. Um, uh, so I get I get to Fort Carson, and um, I meet up with um, my uh, platoon sergeant, my uh, platoon officer, motor officer, and... Um, and the rest of my crew, and um, we still had uh, the the old M one five one Jeeps and M sixty eight three tanks. Um, uh, my 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 vehicle of responsibility was the M eighty eight A one recovery vehicle. Okay. So yeah, I, I operated that uh, that uh, for quite a 
That's what a beast. That's a beast of a vehicle. Yes, it is. It will eat your lunch if you don't know what you're doing. But anyway, <laughs> that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That's the one that you recover the tanks with, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And um, so, as a as a motor officer, it was my it was my job, or not a motor officer, motor sergeant. Uh, it was my job to uh, assist the main motor sergeant in uh, keep making sure all the um, uh, data sheets on all the uh, all the tanks and the weapon systems and all the wheel vehicles in the company were up to date and um, everything all the maintenance was done right. in, in in a proper manner in efficient and effective manner right so um, but I do have I do have a little story to tell along the way okay. um, the motor officer um, he was a second lieutenant uh, I, I don't recall his name. But uh, Eric Katika was the motor sergeant, and uh, anyway, uh, he was Hungarian. Okay. But anyway, the motor the motor officer um, was came came to us one day, and he was passing out cigars, and uh, we all knew his wife was pregnant, so uh, and he was passing out you know you know pink pink wrapped cigars, and uh, he comes up to me and he hands me this pink wrapped cigar, and uh, I said, pink, I said. Gee, Lieutenant, I'm I'm so sorry. He looks at me in a very quizzical way, and he says, "Sorry, sorry for what, Sergeant?" I said, "Sorry, you had to shoot so hard and blow his balls off." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I don't think that's very funny," but everybody else in the company <laughs> office was busting the gut over it. Yeah, I'm sure. Even the company commander couldn't withhold himself. <laughs> but anyway, uh, after a six-month stint there, I decided it was time to go home and be with the wife and the son again. Okay. At which time... Um, um, they, they were in Oklahoma the whole time? Yes, yes, the whole okay. time. But anyway, um, you know, I, I even forgot my first tour at Fort Carson in 79 after I finished the, my uh, school in um, in Fort Knox. Uh -huh. I spent almost 18 months at Fort Carson uh, at an engineer unit working on um, M728, combat engineer vehicles. I, I can't believe I forgot about that. Huh. Okay. This was... The dinosaur's mother, okay? <laughs> okay. This this was a tank, but it wasn't a tank. It wasn't a tank in the fact that it didn't, it, its requirement wasn't to shoot, move, and communicate. However, it was designated a tank because it had a main gun on it. Okay. But it had a front blade for digging trenches. It had a... Um, a hoist for uh, a 10,000 pound hoist, um, which could be um, uh, used with um, block and tackle to triple its lifting capacity to 30,000 pounds. Wow. It also had a, it also had a 10,000 pound winch on the back of the, which could be used for recovery as well. Now the main gun was a 165 millimeter. Okay. It was only about five foot long, maybe four, but it shot a 65 pound shaped charge composition B plastic explosive, a cratering charge, if you will. Wow. And, but its main, its maximum effective range was only like uh, 900 yards. Mm hmm. But you could max elevate and fire that thing, and it went 2,200, but it wasn't very effective. You couldn't pinpoint the round. Right. But uh, I had the opportunity to not only drive, but to shoot those things. It was it was an awesome experience. But I, yeah. did, that for eight, I did that for 18 months before I went to Germany my first time, and, okay. then, and then my recruiting duty, and then back. I can't believe I forgot. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> 
anyway. it's okay. It all sometimes you think back, it kind of all runs together. Uh, it gets jumbled. You know, it's just a blur. After thirty six years, what do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and three combat tours, all in my fifties. But anyway, um, I got back into the National Guard, but the same bunch of, you know, beer drinking, hell raising, you know, calf troopers. Yeah. Um, that was the the unit in Oklahoma City. No, in, in Muskogee, Oklahoma. In Muskogee, okay. Yeah, yeah. The the well, the, the the battalion headquarters was was in Oklahoma City. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, we we were we were the bastards of the unit. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. We 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 were, uh, <clears throat> for lack of better words, uh, we were the bastards of the unit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we we did things our way. Oh, there was no way at all. Yeah. Um, so it was then that um, we had um, we were we had our tanks taken away from us uh, because uh, it was an expense that the state no longer wanted to uh, endure. Right. And keeping up tanks is no easy task. Mm -hmm. They are expensive. But anyway, uh, I got in with the. The maintenance unit and or the maintenance section and um, so I, I worked on uh, the wheel vehicles as well as the tanks um, pulling packs because I had I had I had a lot of experience pulling packs mm -hmm. uh, the engine the in packs um, and the uh, transmissions and you know how to separate them doing oil samples uh, replacing starters brakes final drive units um cooling tower systems it was it was a chore yeah so i did that for uh, another 14 months and then uh this was in uh, like say uh um 86 to 87 uh the wife packed her bags and left and i figured well shit, i ain't sticking around so i packed my bags and I went back in the army in '87. Okay. I went to uh, artillery repair school in Aberdeen, Maryland, huh. where, where I learned how to work on uh, the M10 Deuce, which was 105 millimeter. Yeah. The uh, the uh, um, okay, the 109s, both to the both towed and the uh, mobile howitzer. And the eight inch and, and the Vulcan air defense gun, the, the 40 millimeter. Anyway, um, it was, um, then that, um, um, after my schooling, I went to, uh, Fort Hood, Texas, mm -hmm. where I got into a, a, a third echelon shop. Um, I got, um, um with, um, 190th Maintenance Battalion. Okay. Um, there at Fort Hood, and I was the shop NCOIC for the uh, arm, arm artillery repair section. Even though I had another sergeant that was in charge of the whole section, um, I was second in command there. Okay. <clears throat> so, Your staff sergeant at the time? Uh, no, uh, I'd been reduced because uh, I had got out, oh, and I, I, was, I was out for too long of a time okay but anyway that was okay there's no biggie i kept my e5 rating yeah um then um i spent uh almost almost three years there at at fort hood and at the time uh, i got my orders to go back to germany and i got to thinking about my son and he was he was still very young he couldn't have been uh about six years old, I guess. Okay. And uh, of course, this was for a three. Uh, uh, that was another three. No, it was a three-year tour then. So I told my commander, I said, "No, I'm going to defer, and I'm going to get out. I'm, I want to go home." I said, uh, "He said, but you can come home and see your son." I said, "That's not the point. That the point is, I'm going to be out of his life yeah. for a lot, for a lot for a lot of length of time, and." Um, I said, that's, that's not good. Mm -hmm. So I want to be home. I want to go home. I want to be home with him. I said, even though 
uh, his mother and I are not together no more, that doesn't matter. Yeah. I can still see him on a regular basis. If I'm deployed, I can't. Yeah. So he said, okay, I, I, I can sympathize with you. So I get out, I get back to the National Guard again. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm, I'm got back with uh, the same unit, the uh, Troop E-145. Then we're a, we're a, a lichenized cavalry unit. Uh, where we're just, uh, we just have, um, Humvees and, uh, 113s. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm working, I'm working on, learn to work on Humvees and, and 113s. Uh, I was, uh, the assistant motor sergeant there as well. And, uh, so I did that for a, about, 14 years, I guess. Um, and then I get in with the, uh, um, 120th engineers as a construction engineer supervisor and platoon sergeant, assistant okay. platoon sergeant at the time. So, um, I did that for uh, a number of years until the towers come down. And during this time, um, uh, I did a short stint with the headquarters state area command as a um, construction supervisor at Camp Gruber there in Braggs, Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, at the time, I was uh, promoted to a uh, uh, master sergeant with the first sergeant billet with the uh, uh, headquarters company of 120th Engineers in Okmulgee. Okay. Well, after a few months there, um, after making rocks and making people mad and, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, because, uh, things weren't going, um, uh, by the book, shall we say. There was too much, um, there was too much being done under the table and, and people were, um, finger painting records, shall we say, mm, to make everything yeah. look good. Well, I went into the motor sergeant's office one day, uh, who was a full-time staffer, mm -hmm. uh, who probably, who, who had never seen an active duty day in his life outside of annual training. And he was an E7 at the time. Looking at all the military, I don't know, the, all the, uh, um, uh, 2407s and 24, uh, 2401s, 2404s, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing, uh, the 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 letters NFN or no faults noted, and with a slash across the last entry level and his initials, which meant which meant that that those vehicles were ready for dispatch. Right. So I take a tour out in the motor pool. I pop the hoods on all the vehicles, uh, tanker trucks, uh, TPUs, T tank and pump units. Fuel, fuel tankers, the whole nine yards, I'm finding oil leaks, fuel leaks, leaking valve cover gaskets. Uh, oh, God, I am finding uh, Burger King, McDonald's, and I call it McDog Foods, but I'm finding all sorts of bags of these underneath, stuffed up under the seat, underneath the seats. Um, um, wow. But enough penicillin growing on the stuff, I could have started my own pharmacy. <laughs> so anyway, I go into the motor sergeant's office. I take all the all the dispatch sheets. I rip them up, throw them in the trash, and I duct tape all the dispatch sheets together with a note on the top saying, see me first thing Saturday morning, which that that following Saturday's drill. Right. Well, he gets all bent out of shape, and he goes to the AO. Uh, anyway, and the major comes into my office, and he says, First Sergeant, I have a bone to pick with you. And I said, Really? What about, Major? And he throws those dispatch records in that note down on my desk and says, What's this all about? I said, What's well, all about, Alfie, is that... You know, that was just a pun, you know. Yeah. No. Anyway, <laughs> I said, I said, uh, sir, first off, 
those vehicles are not dispatch ready. Second off, I'm a motor sergeant by trade, active duty, so I know what I'm talking about. Thirdly, your staff sergeant jumped the chain of command. I told him to see me first thing this morning, not you. <laughs> Thereby, he jumped chain of command. So do we want to start this meeting with a court-martial proceeding, or do we want to back up, regroup, and restart this all over again? <laughs> he looks at me and he says, you think you're smart, don't you? I said, no, I'm just well-seasoned. And I know whenever I'm trying to be screwed and you're not going to do it. Neither is your full time staff. So he storms out of my office. The sergeant major comes in who was a former Marine. OK. And uh, he says, first sergeant, come into my office. I said, yes, sergeant major. <laughs> we walked down to his office, closed the door and he says, no, what's going on? So I filled him in. Yeah. And he says, you know, you just caused a lot of hate and discontent. And I said, really? I said, do you want to go out and take a look at those vehicles? Do you want to see what's under the driver's seat, the passenger seat? What's in the, what's in the cargo holds of those vehicles? Trash. I told him about the penicillin on all the food that's growing out there. Yeah. And I said, class three gas, gasoline and diesel leaks? Come on. How can those vehicles be ready? And he said, he said, well, you should have come see me. I said, no, this is my job. Your job is to take care of the unit as a whole, not to take care of me doing my job. Sergeant Major. Yeah. And he, says, and he says, well, there are protocol we have. I said, safety. There's a that there's an extraneous protocol to safety. Excuse me, Sergeant Major. <laughs> yeah. So this went on for three months. So I said, finally, uh, the towers come down. Uh -huh. I go into the J2 or the S2, the intelligence office. Right. And I said, OK, chief. He was a W4. I said, uh, what's our marching orders? When and where are we going? And he says, um, well, top. We are uh, a sister organization to the 2nd Armored Division down at Fort Hood. So if we get called up, what we'll do is we're going to go down to Fort Hood and we'll backfill the RAs guys, the regular Army guys. We'll backfill their position and do their job while they deploy. Mm. Said, Wait a minute. You tell me we've got to go stateside and wipe some of the units butt while they leave? Uh -uh. No, never mind. Never mind. I didn't sign up for this crap. <laughs> so I went I went into the uh, admin office and I filled out my. Um, oh, God, I can't remember the name of the form now. Um, anyway, hmm. I filled out, filled it out and I shoved it across the desk to the uh, to the E5. And he says, retirement top, you just got here. And the, the other staff sergeant in the office says, but but top, you you're. You got people scared of you. And I said, really? <laughs> Apparently not the right ones. I said, I said, there's a lot of people on the up and up that's not that's not particularly afraid of me. So um, nobody wants to listen to me except for the platoon students and, and the squad leaders. Yeah. I, said, uh, I said, nobody else wants to listen to me. So I said, heck with it. Process my paperwork. Do it now. I said, I'm not hanging around another another minute. I said, this, if this unit's going to go to war, they're going to be hamburger. I don't want no part of it. Yeah. Their, their blood's not going to be on my hand. So I got out. I was out for almost uh, four years. So they deployed. They come back. I don't know what happened to them, but I do know the Sergeant Major got relieved for cause. Oh, no. But anyway, uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, I, I get back, um, to the, uh, my office one day, uh, after about four years, uh, there at Camp Gruber and there's an email from, um, um, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And I thought, 
Okay, I opened it up and I said, uh, Dear Sergeant First Class Weaver, how would you like to have a, another year combat tour? And I huh. thought, this, you know, and they had the attachments to fill out these forms and send them back. So I thought, man, they want they want this grouchy old so and so. So I I said, okay, all right. I filled out all the paperwork. I sent it in, and uh, about a month later, I I get I get my orders, and I <clears throat> and uh, I get more really orders. They were standby orders, I guess. You could say yeah. until I finished all my medical, right? Yeah, yeah, medical yeah. review. So, and at this point, about, uh, what, how old are you at this point? I'm fifty years old. Fifty, okay. You know, I'm forty. I'm forty-nine. I was, I was. This was in two thousand four. Okay. Uh, and I, I interactive duty uh, in two thousand five, October of two thousand five. Gotcha. No, no, no. May, 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 May of 2005. Okay. I'm 50, I'm 50 years old. Anyway, um, um, I go to, um, Fort Leonardwood for four weeks to train up on engineering skills. Okay. And I ship out in, um, April to Djibouti, Africa. Um, yeah. Yeah. Djibouti, Africa. I stayed until uh, Djibouti. That is a country, not a body part. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was a, I was a paying agent oh, uh, for 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 civilian and government contracts, and boy, I hated that job because it was my job to carry the payroll for these contractors, and I carried upwards to. One hundred thousand dollars in cold hard American cash on my back. Uh, albeit I was in civilian attire, and all of all of the military guys, except for our force protection, were in were in military attire. Right. But I uh, being the only civilian with a backpack, you know, uh, that was a big target. So. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really didn't care for that job, but I did it anyway. <laughs> but anyway, we would meet with the contractors and review their um, construction or lack thereof. Right. Um, and tell them what all had to be done and the time frame. And if they had things done in a certain time frame, we would come back and pay them up to that point and then discuss a way forward and for future payments. Okay. Well, <clears throat> anyway, we had a few rocket attacks in the alleyways where we were and staying at the hotels that we were in, uh, um, Jijiga, which is in the mountain region of, uh, which, which closely bordered, um, Somalia. So okay. yes, we, we had a lot of pirate activity mm -hmm. in the, in the region there too. Um, and our job was to go out and, um, um, inspect, um, solar power generators for the water wells for the villagers and, uh, medical facilities for where these, you know, the people still lived in mud huts. Uh, had bones in the nose and danced around the fires in grass huts type of thing. Oh yeah. It was wow. very, prim it was very primitive. Huh. Uh, the rich people, however, um, they were, they were considered rich because, uh, they had, um, tarps over their mud huts and they put mud and straw over those tarps to, um, <laughs> for, uh, um, prolong the life of those tarps so they didn't have leaks inside their mud huts huh. <laughs> oh yeah but it was uh, genius on their part yeah but it was scary nonetheless to and um and i had a lot of pictures of this mm -hmm. but my last ex-wife thank god she's an ex <laughs> uh stole my computer and sold it for other nefarious gains uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I won't go into detail on that, and that's while I was living in Vianne. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that, that. No, no, that was before I lived in Vianne. Yeah, that, we were still living in Muskogee then. We moved to Vianne later. Okay. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I got rid of her skanky ass. But anyway, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, she was, she was a liar, cheating a thief. Mm. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I, that much, that's what made me mad about the whole thing was that laptop had everything. Yeah. And at the time, I, you know, I had no, I had no need to download anything. So I figured, you know, I'll always have this laptop. Yeah. Well, I'm up missing one. But anyway, um, but anyway, the scary thing about being in Ethiopia was, was that, um, seeing the homeless people over there and, Knowing that a lot of the people, you know, the, the AIDS virus was thought to have come from that particular country. Right. And even in the remote villages, the shaman or the witch doctors, mm-hmm. you know, it was their belief that, you know, this may be the grotesque part of it, but. It, it needs to be said anyway. Their their belief was that if a man contracted the AIDS virus, the only way he could cure himself was to have sex with the child five years or younger. Really? And oh God, yeah, uh, and, and that didn't sit well with me at all. Yeah. So after my tour in December of '05, I got out. Um, I got back. Uh, I was in the retired reserves um, for a year. That was 2006 to 2007. January of 7, I became an instructor at Fort Lunawood, Missouri. And um, then after about just a little over two years in, no, wait a minute, it was 2000, see, 2007. 2008. It was October of 2008. I finally uh, I told my my battalion commander, um, you know, things weren't panning out. I I signed up to be a doctor. I'd done all the schools. I completed all the courses. So I I said, you don't need me here. I want to go to war. I said, here's my uh, my paperwork. If you please, sir, sign it, and I'll be on my way. He says, well, I hate that you, you want to leave this way. And I said, things aren't happening. Everybody's dragging their feet. So he signs it, and um, I'm in. Um, I'm on my way to uh, uh, Kalat, Afghanistan, uh, okay. where I was uh, 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 force protection and uh, uh, upwards to uh, anywhere from five to seven. Um, civil engineers up to GS-14. Uh, we had they would be visiting GS-14s, but still, it was my job to make sure I was the bullet magnet if they happened to go out the wire. Okay. So I had to make myself very prominent. So if mm-hmm. the bullet started flying, they had time to react and, and get to cover. Right. Yeah. 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 But anyway, and most cool. of the times they they were they were prior military, so they knew the drill. Right. Yeah. The rest of them. Civilians, um, but I was uh, uh, job was to go out outside the wire um, to uh, construction sites, take pictures, measurements, meet with contractors, um, give them notes from the civilian engineers, take their notes from the contractors, and tell them you know they need to be back at the office for uh, on a certain day to um, uh, meet with the engineers to discuss certain project parameters and a way forward and for payment. Well, I was over there for two years. I had extended in country for a year and um, I saw more than my fair share of IEDs go off in front and behind. Right. I lost a couple of good men from uh, global security Mm. and their, their names and their, their faces are forever They're x-rayed into my mind, for lack of better words. Right, yeah. But anyway, wow. I... Uh, well, 
Skip, I, I at at this point, uh, we're just over the hour mark uh, for this podcast, and I I want to get more into what happened in Afghanistan and and what you did did there, so uh, we can come back do the do the next podcast, and we can go from there. Uh, okay. Your time in Afghanistan and and just really kind of go through everything that happened there, and then and where you went from there. Does that sound good to you, Skip? Sounds good. All right. Well, for the listeners, thanks for uh, tuning in uh, and listening to Skip's story. It is very fascinating, and uh, I, I'm excited to hear the rest of the story on the next podcast. So be sure to tune in, um, stay motivated, and change your socks. <laughs>